Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On the podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good, and my mission is to give you the simple tools and practices to get there. Let's get started. Hey listeners, before we get started, a quick note from the Department of Shameless Self-Promotion. We have had to figure out how to take our work online, and my coaching practice is no different I'm now offering workshops virtually instead of in person, so you can join me in July for three free Wednesday workshops that will help you figure out the best food choices. I'll be taking a break in August, and we'll have three new workshops that will repeat in September, October, and November. And also in July, pick a Tuesday and join me at noon for a free workshop that I call Eat Your Way to Health. You can find more details and registration information for all of these workshops at my website, simplyhealthcoaching.com slash community, and I'll also drop that link into the show notes. We've spent the last few weeks talking about elimination diets and how to eliminate a variety of foods from your life. You can find direct links to those episodes in the show notes. Today, we're going to take on what's possibly the toughest food for most Americans to give up, and that is sugar. Judging from the fact that you're listening to this episode, I'm going to guess that you know your food choices are important, and you suspect that you may want to make some better decisions about food, especially where sugar is concerned. Let's start with a quick history of sugar. Sugarcane was first domesticated around 8000 BC in New Guinea. The first mention of solid sugar in written historical records is from India around AD 500. After domestication, growing and refining techniques spread to southern China, Indochina and India, the Middle East, and from there to Europe. On his second voyage to the New World in 1493, Christopher Columbus carried cane seedlings with him, and in 1747, the sucrose in beetroot was identified, and sugar beet now provides approximately 30% of the world's sugar production. What is sugar? In chemistry, sugar is known as sucrose, which is made up of one molecule of glucose plus one of fructose. Nice to know, but not super useful for our purposes. Rather than talking about what sugar is in terms of chemistry, let's recognize it as a carbohydrate that can show up in two ways in our food naturally in its whole form, or as an additive, usually in a highly processed form. Most foods, whether animal or plant in nature, contain some natural sugars, also known as carbohydrates. Fruits, some vegetables, uh, especially things like sweet potatoes, grains, and dairy products are naturally very high in sugar. Most meats and vegetables, like dark leafy greens, are naturally very low in sugar. The biggest concern for us when thinking about reducing how much sugar we eat is really in the area of added, refined, and usually highly processed sugars, like what's in cookies, cakes, soft drinks, etc. What forms does added sugar take? 
We're talking about any kind of refined table sugar, brown sugar, maple syrup, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, pasteurized honey, and other caloric sweeteners added to foods. Refined sugars have been depleted of proteins, vitamins, and minerals that are found alongside natural sugars in whole foods, such as fruit, dairy, grains, relatively whole natural sweeteners, such as brown sugar, raw honey, and maple syrup, and what is left consists of pure refined carbohydrates, which are metabolized very quickly in our bloodstream. Refined sugar causes a roller coaster of alternating high levels of blood sugar than insulin. These shifts can dramatically affect your attitude, your ability to concentrate during the day, and they account for the spike in energy you get after eating a candy bar or that last piece of chocolate cake, that sort of sugar rush, followed by a really spaced out feeling, a sugar crash. Sugar naturally occurring in whole foods is slower to metabolize and doesn't raise insulin levels quite so quickly. So you get a longer-lasting, sustained source of energy from these foods. Your blood sugar levels stay more stable. So let's take a look at why our intake of sugar is such a concern. Any idea how much refined sugar the average person consumes in one year, or even in a day? In 2016 to 2017, the average person consumed close to 51 pounds of sugar. Let's bring it closer to home to the Western world and then to America. In 1700, the average European consumed four pounds of sugar per year. So picture a two pound bag of sugar, which is normally what sugar is sold in. Um, So two of those bags is what an average European ate in 1700 in a year. In 1800, it became 18 pounds per year, so more than four times in 100 years. In 1850, that amount doubled to 36 pounds per year over the course of 50 years. In 1900, the average American consumed just over 100 pounds per year. In 1999, 151 pounds per year, and in 2010, 132 pounds per year. So wait a minute, you might say our sugar consumption went down in 10 years. That's a good thing, right? Well, my take is that any reduction is great, but this could be largely due to the increase in the use of artificial sweeteners, which we'll talk about later. I think it's safe to say we Americans are definitely bringing that 51 pounds per person average up. For you cooks out there, if you consider that 132 pounds is 2,112 ounces and one cup of sugar is approximately seven ounces, then that's 302 cups per year. Still a bit hard to grasp? One cup also equals 48 teaspoons. So do the math, 302 cups is just under 14,500 teaspoons per year. Still a bit hard to wrap your head around? 14,500 teaspoons per year is just barely under 40 teaspoons per day, or just over three quarters of a cup. So keep this number firmly in mind and ponder this. In 2011, the American Heart Association made the following recommendation for the maximum intake of added sugars 
per day. So that is not naturally occurring sugars. Nine teaspoons for men, five teaspoons for women, and three teaspoons for kids. Those recommended maximum amounts are quite a bit lower than 40 teaspoons. And here's the kicker. In a study of over 6,000 adults conducted at Emory University in 2010, just one year before this recommendation came out, the average participant estimated that he or she consumed 21 teaspoons of added sugars a day. So much for believing self-reported intake, eh? How many of you can imagine sitting down and shoveling in 21 teaspoons a day or seven teaspoons of sugar at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I'm sure you'd think of that as very unhealthy, and yet the average person does it every day without even knowing it. And I'll give you a hint. One can of Coke has 10 teaspoons of sugar in it. So one can of Coke already exceeds the amount of sugar the American Heart Association recommends for men, women, and kids in one day. And I'm sure you know people who drink more than one Coke per day. Or they have a Coke and then they have one of those fancy coffee drinks, they might have a cookie, they might have a donut. Just think, that's where all that sugar is coming from. So regardless of which figure you want to think about, 21 teaspoons per day, which was self-reported, or 40 teaspoons, which is more accurate, we are eating way, way too much added sugar. How can this be? Where is the sugar hiding? We'll get to that in a minute, but first let's talk about why we might want to come cut back on added refined sugars. First of all, excess sugar can replace other more nutritious foods in our diet. Few of us will choose to eat an apple, which has naturally occurring sugar, when there's a piece of cake, which is full of refined sugar, available. What are the chances you'll eat the apple first? What are the chances you'll have room or the desire for the apple once you've eaten the cake? Excess sugar consumption can also set us up for or exacerbate some existing serious medical conditions such as obesity and the onset of chronic diseases, including but not limited to diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, osteoporosis, and apparently even cancer. In an opinion piece called The Toxic Truth About Sugar, which was published in February of 2012 in the journal Nature, Robert Lustig, who's a professor of pediatrics and director of the Weight Assessment for Teen and Child Health, argues that it's a mistake to consider sugar just, quote-unquote, empty calories. He writes, There's nothing empty about these calories. A growing body of scientific evidence is showing that excess sugars can trigger processes that lead to liver toxicity and a host of other chronic diseases. A little is not a problem, but a lot kills slowly. And finally, if you're a woman over 40 who's experiencing hot flashes, know that sugar is one of the leading triggers for them. That's right. You may think, oh, it's just hormones. They'll just happen. And if you do some serious tracking and journaling, you might notice that eating sugar can lead to a hot flash in as little as 10 minutes. So where is all that added refined sugar hiding? Added sugar is in almost all the foods we buy. 
most breakfast cereals have approximately 50% of their calories from added sugar. Fruit yogurt has seven teaspoons of sugar per serving. Yoplait has more sugar than a serving of Lucky Charms. 64% of the calories in ketchup are from sugar. One ounce of barbecue sauce has two teaspoons. A cup of granola, about five teaspoons. Flavored instant oatmeal, three teaspoons per packet. Sweetened tea has 12 teaspoons per 16 ounce serving. So if you think that drinking that in place of soda is a virtuous choice, check yourself. Now you may be thinking, well, I'll just replace soda with fruit juice. Most people think of fruit juices as being healthy and think that drinking a glass of orange juice is like eating an orange. It's not. If you've ever made fresh squeezed orange juice, you know it takes at least two or three oranges for one eight ounce glass of juice. A glass of bottled orange juice from the store has about as much sugar as a can of soda. And often some of it is added. So I don't recommend drinking fruit juice. Eating whole fruits in moderation, absolutely, because then you're not just getting the juice and sugar, you're getting fiber, which will slow things down and give you some more nutrition. Eating whole fruits gives you the added bonus of all that good fiber. So here's a list of other names by which sugar travels, kind of like a hitman with multiple passports. Syrup, juice, especially concentrate, malt, and lots of words ending in os, O-S-E. If you think back to the episode on label reading, you may read a label and think, well, sugar's not among the first few ingredients, so there's not really that much in here. Remember, though, that if you see more than one sugar listed, and I bet you will on most processed foods, added up, sugar may well belong at the top of the list. So yes, sugar is definitely a problem. And for some of us, it's more than that. It's an addiction. I'm sure that some of you are listening today because you either suspect or you know that you're addicted to sugar. So what do you think defines addiction? Some of the symptoms of a food-based addiction are hoarding or hiding food. Consuming even a small amount creates a desire for more. Eating rapidly. Loss of control. You can't stop yourself once you start. Eating to the point of feeling physically sick. Feeling guilty or anxious during or after eating. Turning to food to relieve stress or deal with unpleasant emotions. Suddenly quitting causes withdrawal symptoms such as headaches, mood swings, cravings, and fatigue. Knowingly eating foods that are harmful and continuing to eat the food despite all these adverse consequences. Research indicates that sugar and sugar substitutes, especially high fructose corn syrup, are eight times more addictive than cocaine. A study conducted by Princeton University in 2008 suggests that sugar is noteworthy as a substance that releases opioids and dopamine, and thus might be expected to have addictive potential. Ah, that is a lot of bad news. And I really hate it when someone gives me a ton of bad news and leaves me feeling terrible about myself and about the future. So let's look at what we can do to get that added sugar out of our kitchens and away from our tables and our mouths. First, let's be clear. We didn't just wake up and decide to be addicted to sugar. 
the causes of our addiction can be one or a combination of the following. We might have a nutritional deficiency. For our ancestors, sweet foods came with a host of other nutrients, vitamins, minerals, fiber. If we're low in any of these nutrients, our lizard brain may crave sugar because it thinks that we'll get them from sweet foods. But today's sweets are not our ancestors' sweets. We might have an energetic deficiency, not enough calories. If your body runs low on energy, it's going to demand it, and it's going to demand fast energy. And carbs, basically sugars, are where quick calories are found. We might have primary food issues. Our life might lack sweetness in our relationships, fulfillment in our careers, calm in our home environment, etc. And we often turn to sweet food for a quick fix because those issues can feel huge and unfixable. What are the simplest things we can do to reduce or remove added sugars from our diets? First, educate yourself. Read the labels on all processed and packaged foods and figure out how much sugar is really added. The more you read, the more you'll discover that foods foods that don't have labels or ingredient lists on them are the best ones for you. Keep balanced snacks on hand and create your menus in advance. Yes, this does take planning, but think of it this way. Investing a little time once a week will actually free up time when you're busiest and remove that daily nagging thought, what are we going to have for dinner? Create balance in each meal and in each snack by including high-quality lean proteins, such as lean animal protein, beans, nuts, seeds, complex carbs, like those found in whole grains, fruits, and vegetables, and beneficial fats, such as olive oil, nuts, seeds, avocados, wild-caught fish, and pastured animal products. Identify some specific sugars or sweets you will allow yourself as treats and stick to your plan of only having them at specific times in very small amounts. Or think about either a day of the week or on special occasions. I don't recommend going 100% sugar-free because restrictive diets can lead to binge eating and that's only going to sabotage your efforts. Eat more meals cooked from scratch at home so you know exactly what's in your food. Restaurants don't generally provide a label for you to read and you might just pass out if you knew the ingredients at popular chain restaurants. Not just fast food, but the casual dining chains and even some independently owned restaurants and diners. If you need help with cooking from scratch or menu planning, I can help. Check in with other areas of your life. Are there imbalances in your relationships, your career, how much physical movement you have during the day? How often do you make time to do the things that make you happy, that bring you joy? Are you eating sugary foods for comfort or out of boredom? I think we all know something about emotional eating and how much that can come into play in what we put in our mouths every day. Every time you're about to eat, consider the HALT acronym. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Try to eat only when you're truly hungry. Those suggestions may feel pretty squishy still, so let's take a look at some more concrete examples of what you can do. You can add a green smoothie to your daily routine, 
I know it sounds crazy and it looks strange at first, but trust me, they can change your life. Two cautions. Make sure you're focusing on veggies, specifically green ones, and not on fruits, sweetened yogurt, etc. And if you have hypothyroidism, don't overdose on raw leafy greens from the crucifer family, which are considered to be goitrogenic. Eat a healthful breakfast. Even if you typically skip breakfast because you're not hungry or you don't have time, consider eating a delayed breakfast that includes a balance of healthful carbs, beneficial fats, and quality protein. A smoothie is a great solution for those on the run, but if you have the time, scrambled eggs or tofu with sautéed vegetables pack a nutritional punch, and you'll get a serving of vegetables in at breakfast. Yay, veggies! Eat sweet vegetables and fruits. When your body receives sugar in its natural form and it's consumed with other whole foods, including protein, fiber, and fat, it actually stabilizes your energy, satisfies those taste buds, and keeps you from craving sugar and crashing later in the day. Vegetable examples are things like sweet potatoes, winter squash, onions, especially cooked or grilled ones, beets, Kick up the spice. Coriander, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and cardamom will naturally sweeten your foods, reducing cravings and offering many additional health benefits, such as reducing inflammation, regulating blood sugar levels, and boosting cognitive function and memory. Sprinkle some of these these on your morning oatmeal. Add them into your new green smoothie or top your sweet vegetable dish with them. Eat whole grains. You've heard this before, but you need to make sure you're consuming the right kind of whole grains for your body type and your needs. More and more people these days have gluten sensitivity or celiac disease, and for them, consuming whole grains and seeds such as quinoa, buckwheat, millet, and oat groats are a great alternative to wheat. Drink plenty of water. Water can crowd out sodas and other sugary drinks. Get seven to eight hours of sleep. This will go a long way toward curbing the munchies. Studies have shown that getting insufficient sleep results in overeating, particularly craving simple carbs. So you might want to journal a few days when your sleep varies the night before and just see, you know, if you sleep less, do you crave more sugar? I find that to be very true for myself. Slow down and find sweetness in non-food ways. Your body does not biologically need added sugar but it does long for hugs, time with friends, time outdoors, workouts, massages, etc. When life becomes sweet enough itself, no additives are needed. And I completely understand that during the pandemic, a lot of these things are not possible. However, there are ways to find sweetness every day anyway. Finally, if you must add sugar, make it the most close to nature variety you can find. Raw honey, maple syrup, and evaporated cane juice are infinitely better because they contain a lot of micronutrients, especially minerals that are removed from white table sugar. Here are some suggestions for balanced snacks to keep on hand. If you eat dairy, plain, unsweetened whole milk yogurt with fresh or frozen fruit that you add to it. Whole grain crackers and toast with nut butter. Fresh or dried fruit with raw nuts. Veggies plus a protein-based dip such as ranch dressing or hummus. Both homemade, of course. 
fruit sweetened smoothies, dark chocolate, and fruit sweetened baked goods. If you're not making these at home, make sure you read the label and apply your new knowledge about refined and added sugar. All right, I promised you a discussion about artificial sweeteners, so here we go. You may be thinking of replacing sugar with an artificial sweetener. Great idea, right? Not so much. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know my feelings about substitutes. Consuming artificial sweeteners will just keep you craving sweetness. They are way sweeter than sugar. So if your idea is that you're going to stop wanting sugar if you start eating artificial sweeteners, you're not going to achieve your goal. Also, artificial sweeteners have not been shown to reduce body weight and can actually lead to weight gain. There is overwhelming evidence from a study at the University of Texas Health Science Center that the more diet sodas a person drinks, the greater the chance that he or she will become overweight or obese. If you consume regular or diet soda on a daily basis, without a doubt, the best first step you can take towards better health is to stop drinking soda or vitamin water or Gatorade. I know this is easier said than done but I can help you with some ideas about how to break that sugar or aspartame addiction if you are a soda junkie. A quick note about processed, low-fat, and fat-free foods, which were introduced in the 1980s and have been popular ever since. 50% of the sugar the average American consumes today comes from high-fructose corn syrup in fat-free foods. Processed foods contain a lot of added sugar, particularly high fructose corn syrup, which prolongs shelf life and prevents freezer burn. So for all you bakers, fat and sugar play a similar role in baking, tenderization. If you remove fat, you must increase sugar to counterbalance it. This is especially true in processed baked goods. So if you're buying baked goods, look instead for full-fat baked goods made with beneficial fats and less added sugar. But wait, there's more. We've talked a lot about the health reasons for giving up refined added sugar, and some of you may have enough reasons to be done with it once and for all. For those of you who need other reasons, consider these possibilities, one of which may speak even louder to you than health. Social justice. Sugar cultivation and processing is extremely labor-intensive, which means that it was for a long time entangled with large-scale slavery. While no longer grown and processed by slaves, we hope, sugar from developing countries has an ongoing association with workers earning minimal wages and living in extreme poverty. So if you buy sugar, look for the kind labeled Certified Fair Trade. Environment. Sugarcane quickly depletes the soil in which it grows, making it unfit for other purposes. So if you buy sugar, look for the kind labeled certified organic, which does slightly less damage to the environment. If you read the food news, there's a lot of discussion about food miles, how far food travels, how much fuel is needed to get it to us, and how much pollution that causes. Local economy. Cane sugar is not a local product for most of us, but Michigan does produce alternative sweeteners, so if you want to cut down on food miles, switch to raw honey, 
maple syrup. We also raise a fair amount of sugar beets, but the scoop on that is that most of them are GMO, which is another topic altogether. And finally, home economics. If you're the one who does the grocery shopping, you probably know that committing to buying fair trade, organic, and or local sugar will make you cut down simply due to the high price. So sorry, this has been a somewhat long episode, but it's an important one. And those are my tips for eliminating sugar from your diet, and we could all benefit from doing that. If you're doing this as part of an elimination diet, remember to keep a food journal as we talked about in previous episodes and see whether it really is sugar that's causing your symptoms. In the next episode, we're going to talk about cravings. So if you're struggling with cravings, whether they're for sweet or salty, crunchy or creamy foods, tune in for that and then stick around longer. We've got a lot more good stuff coming up. If you'd like to do an elimination diet and want some support doing it, schedule a free Your Story session and let's talk about that. The link is in the show notes. And don't forget to join me for my free virtual workshops that you can find at simplyhealthcoaching.com community. Thanks for listening. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com.